I'm so excited. This is the last week of crutches, y'all. Yeah, really, though. Merry Christmas to me. Hey, I love Christmas music, don't you guys? Do you know those radio stations that they start to play Christmas music, like, during Halloween? Do you know those? Which one of your radio stations do you tune into here? Which is the culprit here in Carrollton? Because it's every single city has got that one radio station that starts early and often. Is there, there's one in Carrollton, right? There you go, that one. You, you probably heard every iteration of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer possible. I mean, every pop star and their mama sings that song in one voice or another, or it might be uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, but you, you hear them over and over again, and inevitably, you pick out your favorites, right? And, and here's one thing that I'm going to say today. I, I think our favorite Christmas songs are often the ones that tell us what we most want to hear. Not so much things as they are, but things as we want them to be. Take, for example, the classic Christmas tune of Jingle Bells. I bet you won't sing it with me. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Ha, 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 bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. Oh, what it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, great job. Now, some of you weren't singing, so we're going to do it again. And (laughs) kidding, maybe. Jingle bells, all is merry, all is bright. Now, I've never been on a one-horse open sleigh in my life. And yet, when I sing that, oh, how I want to be all warm and bundled up on a family, on the way to a family member's house, about to celebrate all that is good about Christmas. It's a popular Christmas tune. And yet there are these other ones that we hear on the radio that we know that are somewhat less popular. To be quite honest, I think the tunes kind of sound weird. And when you listen to the lyrics, even a bit more weird. Take, for example, John Lennon's So This Is Christmas. Have you heard that one on the radio? So this is Christmas. All right, now here are the words that follow. And what have you done? Another year over... And a new one just begun. And so this is Christmas. I hope you had fun. The near and the dear ones, the old and the young. And then the chorus sings, a very merry Christmas and a happy new year. Let's hope it's a good one without any fear. Hmm. And all the while, while the chorus is going, you hear the children sing, war is over If you want it, war is over now. Now, I love the Beatles. I love John Lennon. But this is just one of those Christmas songs that you hear and you kind of reach to change the radio station. It's hard to sing along with, but 
doggone it, if it isn't true, so many of us, myself included, we go about these Christmas celebrations and in so many ways we're pretending that all is merry and bright when really, outwardly in our world, there is no peace. And sometimes even more personally, inside of our own hearts, there is no peace. And this isn't just relegated to popular secular music. One of our very own hymns, in fact, you heard it in the anthem that the choir sang, O Little Town of Bethlehem, speaks to as much. Maybe you've never paid attention to the lyrics, so allow me to expound upon them if I can. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars pass by. It's describing an entire town that's sleeping deeply, but not sleeping peacefully. It's almost like they're unconscious to the calamity that is going around in the world around them, like a Roman occupation, and the fact that the poor keep getting poorer while the rich keep getting richer, and the only way that you can ever have peace is if you are one that carries a bigger stick. They're totally out of it, and yet there's this. While in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. It's saying that peace is readily available to all of us, but it's not in a way that we easily recognize it. There's a small but powerful light of the world, our series for this Advent season, that's in their very streets. And if they can see it, moreover, if they can know it, then they will receive Peace, not a peace that's dictated by everything that's happening outwardly, but a peace that they feel deep within their hearts so that no matter how bad things are out there, in here, we have peace, knowing that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Peace is elusive, my friends. I'm sure many of you are sitting there saying, man, I wish more than the Nintendo Switch. I wish more than the new iPhone. I wish more than just straight up cash, which for some of us is always our favorite gift. I wish more than anything I would receive peace this Christmas. I wish that inside of me, I would feel calm and confidence knowing that all will be well. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that this peace is available to you. You can know God's peace because you can know God through Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is is the whole hope, peace, joy, and love theme of Christmas. That's why we gather and we sing and we adore in our sanctuary. It's not for tradition, It's not just so that we can feel good about ourselves. It's so that we once again can get back to the the grassroots of this thing we call faith and say, in Jesus, 
We can know peace because Jesus is our peace. I know that peace is elusive, so I think it helps us to have some real-life handles on how to grab a hold of that peace. And thanks be to God that Luke, in all of his wisdom, had the forethought to say, I need to include two people named Simeon and Anna in the Christmas story. Not the night Jesus was born, granted, but eight days after his birth, when Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple in Jerusalem to go through in obedience to the law and have Jesus circumcised, there happened to be two people there that knew how to grab hold of peace and make it their own. This Anna and Simeon, they're two fascinating characters because they stand as such a contrast to how many people see peace and how you get peace. They were known as the quiet of the land. It's an expression that's used by scholars and the like to express people that knew how to identify peace even in the most unconventional godlike terms, such as a baby named Jesus, born to a peasant mother and father who walks through a group of crowded people amidst so much other commotion, and yet they have the spiritual wherewithal to say, and that is the fulfillment of peace. They're people that spent their lives not in trying to take peace by force, but by praying for peace with their hearts in worship to God and living righteously by the law and knowing all along that God never enacts a reign of peace as we do as humans. He's never going to start a war against humanity. That's not how God works. God's always reaching out to you and bringing you into his heart. He's never pushing you away, which I know is what oftentimes is the confusion. God, why are you so far? You must be pushing me away. But no, God all the while is reaching out to you and trying to bring you close to his heart. This Simeon character in particular is able to spot Jesus and he says something really interesting about what Jesus will do in way of his ministry of peace. You might remember that it said, he will cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel. It's to say that while Jesus' peace is for all and is readily available because you can possess faith in Jesus and therefore know the heavenly father, which is God, many will reject it. It will cause their fall because, my friends, explain to me who you know that does not know peace that is well. Do you know someone that they don't abide by peace, they don't live in peace, and yet they are flourishing? Do you know anybody like that? I've stretched my mind. I can't think of anyone like that. But I, I do know people that, that while knowing peace and, and having seen the calamity of life and having had personal loss because they had received the peace of Jesus, when everything is wrong within them, they're well, they're solid, 
they're firm. One pastor told me that you always need to include hero stories in your sermon, David. So here's how this works. In our congregation, I've seen this very sort of piece evident before my very eyes. and It hasn't happened because someone has got up here and preached a sermon. It's because I've gone and I've sat with people in their homes and I've heard their stories in my office. Kay Neesmith is a person of peace. Having lost her husband, having lost her dad, and, and but the same 24-hour period. And yet she comes to my office and she says, here's my story as your new deacon. And by the way, even though I've lost so much, God is good. And is there a person apart from Kay that gives more to our church? No, she's flourishing. She's received the peace of Jesus. And therefore, and here's this second all important part, she can therefore extend the peace of Jesus to those in her orbit. You see, you can't give what you have not yet first received. If you haven't received the peace of God through Jesus Christ, don't ever pretend that you can be the embodiment of the beatitude that says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the children of God. No, you can only give what you have received. And as much as I would implore and beg of you, please know Jesus Christ and therefore know your Father in heaven. Please, this is the best and most important thing that could ever happen in your life. Eternity depends upon it. What I would say would be just an absolute close second would be so that having received the peace that is in Jesus, you can go about this world and be a peacemaker. You can take what you have received from Jesus Christ and you can extend it to other people. And just like Anna and Simeon, you're going to be a person who's the quiet of the land. It doesn't mean that you're powerless. It doesn't mean that you're weak. Quite the opposite. It means that you can recognize when God shouts because you've taken the time to first hear him whisper to your heart. And when that person and when that opportunity arises, filled likewise by the Holy Spirit, which Anna and Simeon are, you're able to declare a prophecy that's remembered forever and always. You're able to fulfill two young parents' hearts in Mary and Joseph or the equivalent thereof with such peace that they can go forward in raising this child, which is to be the savior of the world. You can give that person that's beside you that extra little nudge so that they might take that next step in life, in faith, and in their purpose, it takes all of our strongholds, these defenses by which we reject peace by saying, I choose what's best for me. I know what I want. I choose what's best for me. It takes another stronghold like, I, I know what makes me happy and that's what I do. Doesn't matter how it affects everybody else. As long as I get me and I get mine, that's what's most important. It also takes these things that say, I'm in control. I get what I want. And instead, it 
turns them, people, into good news, into extensions of peace into this world, so that we instead say to those around us, Jesus ultimately chooses what is best for us. Jesus chooses, not me, not you. Jesus, acting through us, chooses what's best. Jesus alone can fulfill our hearts. Not the stuff, not the accolades, not the money. Jesus alone, the peace of Jesus and being a peacemaker of Jesus. And lastly, but not leastly, especially for those who struggle with control, pastor, instead of saying, I'm in control, instead of saying, I get what what I want, we didn't have the freedom to say, I am faithful to Jesus, and he determines the outcomes of my life. But because I know Jesus, and because I know that he is one of peace, the things that he will give me, the challenges he will place before me, the will that he will reveal to me is never bigger or scarier or mightier than the coverage of grace that he supplies to me. Now that, my friends, is peace. I don't know where you are in your life today. But I would wager, if you'll allow me to go from preaching to meddling, that every single one of you needs a little peace in your life. There's something that's keeping you awake at night, causes you that little bump in blood pressure when you think about it, makes you feel anxiety-ridden, makes you feel like life is out of control, makes you feel like you are less than you are, and yet... The light of the world in Jesus Christ says to you, my peace, I give to you. My peace, I leave to you. This is not peace as the world knows it. It is a peace that is everlasting That no matter how great the darkness is, there is a light of the world that will always shine and the darkness will not overtake it. In peace, my friends, I want you to take this moment that's ahead of us. A moment in which we sing and we remember when the angels heralded the coming of Christ into this world by saying, I bring you great joy, great news, and tidings of great peace by reconciling your heart to God. Do you know Jesus? No, not not have you learned about Jesus in Sunday school, not have you heard about Jesus on the radio. Do you know Jesus Christ? And if you will say, In honesty and transparency, no, I don't feel like I do. Then please, can we have a conversation? Because I'm on that same journey too. But secondly to that, having known Jesus, are you being now the peacemaker that he's called us to be? Giving to others freely that which we have received. Let's make those decisions before a God who loves us so as we sing this, our invitation hymn. Would you please stand and sing?